Jordan and Gretzky, Serena and Ruth Remembering great ones is easy to do But what about the no names who spent their whole lives Long stepping footballs and catching sack flies They're guys, remember that guy some guys now Westbrook looking for James he's got it coming to the end of the third quarter LeBron James a shot at history and there it is LeBron stands alone the NBA's all-time scoring record now belongs to remember that guy the show where we minor memories from nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present hey there folks James one of your hosts and gotta say yeah it's pretty great for us to pass Kareem what an honor for this podcast now the all-time NBA leading scorer. Remember that guy. And what a special guest we have. A person who, you know, for, for every point that's scored in the NBA, there's somebody upon who that point is scored. And uh, this person has a very unique first name. First person I've ever met with this name. But without further ado, please introduce yourself. You know, much like Anthony Davis, I didn't actually watch this game or LeBron score this point because I just couldn't be bothered. And also like Anthony Davis, I will not be in L.A. for much longer, possibly by tomorrow. We'll see. It's not whoever was guarding LeBron James. It is the very special guest savior. Kenrich Williams, for the Kenrich record. Williams. Got it. Yeah, I don't think there is another Kenrich out there. If you're a Kenrich, please correct us and let us know. I just got to say, that is automatic future guy credential. The guy that got scored on by LeBron for the record. Uh, Xavier, who ended up giving up the home run to Aaron Judge to pass Roger Maris? Oh, I don't even fucking remember at this point. That's the thing. Everyone's always worried about being the guy to give up. No one remembers. The most important thing about this Thunder-Lakers game to me is that the Thunder started two guys who are both Jalen Williams. (laughs) Yes, there's Jalen, J-A-Y-L-I-N, Listed in ESPN as J. Williams, and there's Jalen J. A. L. E. N. who is listed as J. A. L. Williams. So the two Jalen Williams combined for 39 points, 14 boards, and nine assists, and eight steals as they won that game over LeBron, who was celebrating a little too hard. I wonder if the two of them have the idea to like start getting a sixth man on the team because Jalen Williams is just there in a trench coat, two guys stacked on top of one another, sharing all of their stats. Jalen Williams, that's the only way anyone that is going to actually ever pass LeBron at this point now for the career point scoring record. I think we'll remember Kenrich more because this is a more absurd record to break than Roger Maris's American League. When we add in Kenrich, that's three fifths of a Williams starting lineup. They need two more Williamses for a full Williams. We, we just need those Jalens to do, like, the Gotenks thing from Dragon Ball Z. Just <laughs> Fusion dance. Perfect. Get them the earrings. Well, okay, Xavier. If LeBron James past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was not making memories for you last night, pray tell what was. Well, you know, if we go back to the NBA but go a little bit different, there was, you know, some major moves that happened over the past couple days. That's right. San Antonio Spurs acquired Dwayne Dedman and a 2028 second round pick from the Miami Heat for cash the considerations. Homecoming. 
Dwayne Dedman's homecoming to San Antonio that will last, what, a week and a half? You know what? He only played one game after swatting a massage gun onto the court in anger after being subbed out. And so they said, okay, we got to get this guy out of Miami. Where are we going to send him? San Antonio. But also Kyrie Irving got traded and he's going to destroy the Mavs. And that will be very fun to see. These teams, they delude themselves into thinking that once they get a hold of Kyrie Irving, they'll be the ones to finally see the answer and get him to just play basketball. But maybe it might just work for Mark Cuban. We'll be the ones to make it work. Thank you for both analyzing and therapizing on that. Well, James, you know that this is the first time the Heat and Spurs have ever traded with each other. Is this the first time the Heat and Spurs have ever traded? the first time. The Heat now have traded with every single franchise at least once. The Spurs were the last one that they had never made a trade with. I had absolutely no idea. It's I'm watching a lot of Spurs highlights. It's a lot easier than watching the full Spurs game right now. We are, I believe, two games now behind, who is it, the Pistons for the worst record in the league? You guys think it was Josh Richardson that, like, smoothed over that relationship and said, hey, listen, you guys, you have more in common than you think. You know, want a little scratch your back, I'll scratch mine. Why not? We're both run by incredibly old guys that are clinging to pass rings, and there's no reason the two of you shouldn't be working together. One game behind the Rockets, a half game behind the Pistons. So There we go. Thank you for that. I was close. And the Spurs are very close to Victor Wembanyama. To somehow falling out of the top five with their first round pick. You'll get Amen Thompson then. It'll be fine. Or, or our Thompson. One of the Thompsons. You'll get one of them. Dude. Well, Xavier, is there anything other than the random Dwayne Dedman cast-off trade for you? I do love just random cast-off trades. So I also want to give a shout-out to the Kessler-Edwards trade to the, to the uh, Kings. That ESPN just has down as Kings get forward Kessler-Edwards in cash considerations. Nets get... TBD. You suck. You're worth so little that they trade you and money for nothing. Who wants to take the brave stance? Will Kevin Durant be on the nets when we put this episode up? Kevin Durant will be in Toronto playing for the Raptors. Okay. We'll see whether or not that gets... I'm jinxing uh, him and he'll end up in Phoenix, but it's fine. Hey, now you got two odds, at least. You've spread your odds around a little bit. We'll see what sound effects you get. Diaz, speaking of things that might have sound effects coming up, how about the (laughs) birds? What an incredible victory. Two times in my life now, James. Can you believe it? When, When we were in college, I never thought I'd see the day. And now, as the listeners listen to this episode, and as I am potentially making an ass of myself, but I feel actually really good, Congratulations to the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. You know, it was honestly a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And I thought it was going to be pretty easy. Patrick Mahomes, as we all thought, immobile in that pocket, absolutely massacred by our D-line. Maybe he'll win a second reign eventually. Um, Who knows? But he could just be the modern Aaron Rodgers. That's what a lot of people are saying. Many people are saying it. And this is really just the start of the Jalen Hurts era. Already got his first ring three years in. We got, I think, one or two more seasons on that rookie quarterback contract. But it really doesn't matter. He's, he's an immaculate leader of men. You saw his poise throughout the game uh, last night. 
his laser precision. You saw that, hey, look, I have that shoulder injury, but I'm still going to truck this bitch-ass defensive back. What a Seven win. Seven sacks from Hassan Reddick. I, I didn't say that. Xavier said that. You can... <laughs> You know, bells for me and the boom, 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 boom. You can do that for Xavier right there. Seven fantasy points for number seven. But, I mean, as I already said, there will be no tension. There is no drama. The Eagles were the better team going in. We all knew it. Now here we are. The Eagles, Super Bowl champions, Nick Sirianni. Let's keep gardening, baby. Keep planting that shit. Too bad that Furkan doesn't want to be around Philly as they celebrate this championship. Dude, Furkan Korkmaz is by far the worst player in the history of basketball to request two trades. Both from the same team. He requested two <laughs> years ago and we were like, dude, you're not good I enough. Did. You're just going to have to suck this up. I'm sorry. I didn't know how the sentence was going to end when he started. <laughs> He's requested two trades. He, yeah, the first one was like... He requested a trade before the fucking pandemic started. And now he's requesting a trade now, too. Like, that's really a marker of time. Furkan Korkmaz. Ridiculous. And Diaz, to there being no drama, I disagree. I think there's one piece of drama that I have recently found out about. It is not necessarily about the game. It is about the game, but it is not about the game. We're not talking about what's happening on the field. Because what happens on the field is made by official manufacturers. And what I've been reading about this week and what has been making memories for me is some stuff that is made by the replica manufacturers. Did you, Diaz, try and get a jersey with the Super Bowl patch on it? I have not yet, but I have seen that the Eagles jerseys on Fanatics are not even like official Eagles jerseys. Both, both the Eagles and Chiefs. I'm, one thing I'll make clear from the go here. This is a game-wide issue. Real quick, just as an introduction, the Eagles are wearing green just as they did when they won Super Bowl 52. The Chiefs will be wearing white. If you want to buy a jersey that is going to be the color the team is wearing in the Super Bowl with a Super Bowl patch on it, you currently cannot do that online. You simply cannot. Neither of those two options exist online. You can get one black Eagles jersey with the patch. It is a Jalen Hurts one. And you can get three red ones for the Chiefs. There is uh, the custom one, a Travis Kelsey, and a women's Mahomes. So those are all of the ones available in any colors that these teams wear with the Super Bowl patch. But Diaz, as you've alluded to, there is a third option. The only jersey that you can get right now, apparently like in person at stores, in, in all the different satellite team store locations around the actual cities, in the Super Bowl area itself is the Atmosphere Fashion Line, which is this just disgusting gray. And I think Atmosphere must refer to like the most boring fucking cloud that you can possibly imagine staring up on a day where you're begging for it to rain and it never even gives you that much, just hangs over you with that fucking gloom. <laughs> that is the color of these jerseys. Oh, wow, and those are awful. They're so bad. They're so bad. The only and color is the Super Bowl logo. It's well, and then there's a tiny little like ring of color around the numbers, but it's it's atrocious. It's absolutely fucking atrocious. Two things that I think uh, have have kind of come together to make this travesty. We can say it what it is. One of it is the neutral AFC Championship game. Rob Lowe with his NFL hat becoming a meme. Like, all of this 
is a connected thing. It is about the NFL wanting everything to just like take place at neutral sites that the NFL can be the product rather than any teams, rather than any players. So if everyone just ends up with the most neutral country from Futurama versions of Super Bowl jerseys that they possibly can, that's great. They don't want you to have an opinion. They just want you to fill the stadium. Finally, a line of NFL team apparel for Rob Lowe. <laughs> well, it's, these jerseys are made, as all replica jerseys now are made, by fanatics. And this is the other problem. Diaz, your boy Michael Rubin needs to be stopped because Nike produces the official, the jerseys that will be worn on the field uh, for three of the big four leagues now. They got the NFL from Reebok in 2012, NBA from Adidas in 2017, and MLB from Majestic in 2019. Adidas, when they lost the NBA, they did take the NHL away from Reebok. So they're the only other one. But it's those two. They make the on-ice ones, the on-field ones, the on-court ones. And then all replica jerseys now are made by Fanatics. Every single official replica jersey that you can purchase is made by a single company that bought Majestic so that they could have their own manufacturing arm to create this vertically integrated structure of manufacturing, online storefront, shipping. It is the most blatant monopoly that I have seen outside of an actual professional sports league since Teddy Roosevelt. Screw you, Michael Rubin. And now they own Mitchell and Ness also. Like, I don't have a whole lot more to add to that, but they own Mitchell and Ness. And all of this, it's like, after Ticketmaster goes down, I've been loving watching the Ticketmaster C-SPAN. And once those hearings are over, please bring in Michael Rubin and the Fanatics now, particularly since it would no longer financially be a problem for the Sixers now that he is divested. Like, I understand, Diaz, if you did not agree with this initially, because, you know, you don't want the team to, to get hurt by it. But now... Come on, we. This is just such a stupid problem about this particular Super Bowl, emblematic of a horrible issue for anyone that wants to. Over, like, we just want to cosplay, man. Just let us have our athlete cosplay, so we can all look like big dorks instead of making us participate in this horrible monopoly. The only thing I'm gonna say in defense of Michael Rubin is that as a human being, he has done many good things. When the Sixers owners were talking about uh, suspending employee pay during the start of the pandemic, he was, as the minority owner, the largest voice saying, hey, don't fucking do that. Probably more so because Joel Embiid came out against it. That didn't go through. But nonetheless, Michael Rubin was a voice against it. Does a good amount for charity in Philadelphia. I'll say those two things. And then I will say, yes, Fanatics is a fucking dog shit company that makes toddler quality preschool project ass jerseys that fall apart in the wash and are also just impossible to get like here's what i would say if you get jerseys quick and cheap but they're low quality get it if it takes a while to get the jerseys but they're high quality also okay with that they can't be cheap poorly made and not in stock like that's that's just impossible Hey, I just found, saw something hilarious from Michael Rubin's bio. That should have been a, 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 um, a key thing for people to, to know about before realizing the quality of phonetics. At the age of 12, he used bar mitzvah money to create a ski shop that he opened in Conshohocken. By the age of 16, he was $120,000 in debt and had to settle with creditors thanks to a, lo- a $37,000 loan his father gave him on the condition that he go to college. 
$120,000 in debt at the age of 16. How do you know what that much debt is at the age of 16? He dropped out of Villanova after one semester after borrowing $17,000 from a friend to buy $200,000 worth of equipment at a deep discount from a fire sale and then sold sold it all for 70 grand, making a massive profit. And it's like, I don't have to go back to school. He learned nothing for being $120,000 in debt at the age of 16. I think he learned a lot if we look at his net worth now. I'm not saying <laughs> that he's doing good practices, but he is doing good money. Making. He seems to have learned a lot from not letting that affect him. And that that amount of debt is not real. Once he hit a certain number, it just it, it doesn't become real anymore. Speaking of learning, I do just want to credit a Philadelphia internet presence, Seamus Clancy, for being the one that helped me learn about the initial Super Bowl jersey debacle which I then decided to dig deeper into. We love the assistance of others. And that brings us to our primary segment today. We do have a guest. Speaking of that pandemic there, Diaz, uh, if you worked in the food industry during the pandemic and were one of those restaurants that had to get turned into takeout, particularly if it was one of a sports bar variety, you probably had a lot of time to do absolutely nothing but watch ESPN while very few orders came in sometimes. And I had the pleasure of doing that with one of the best bartenders in Baltimore, a noted haver of hot takes, a guy named Pop Dop that we are going to bring on today. It is, uh, uh, it was, rather I should say, a joy. We met with him a long time ago, and now we've recently developed some RTG-related time travel technology to take you back to that segment. Uh, I am a little nervous. I don't know about the two of you, but I am, I'm ready to give this a shot when you all are. I mean, I'm ready, but I mean, just as the listeners are going to see, like with our kind of our election conversation and everything, we put a lot of time conditionals on that, too. We're just really playing it fast and loose with the timeline here. Quentin Tarantino would be proud. It's in media res. It's fine. It, it, it is a valid technique to use when it comes to any sort of audiovisual medium. Well, with that being said, let's hit this big, beautiful button. Folks, it's been a long time coming. We have finally gotten one of the most elusive guests on our Rolodex. Coming at you live, we are about to introduce you to the second most notable Greek basketball player and or fan that has ever been associated with this show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Mr. Papa Dot. Thank you. Thank you. What an honor. Please, the honor is all ours. Papa Dot, welcome to the guy Bunel. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of everything, I was wondering, is, is anything making memories for you recently? Well, sports betting being allowed in Maryland, for one. I mean, holy moly. It only took what, like two years after the ballot initiative to finally get to bet it on took our phones? officially 19 months. No one was counting. <laughs> <laughs> how many hours, how many seconds? <laughs> Don't have that information, but Shout out to Maryland, finally making sports betting available on our phones so degenerates like me can place $5 parlays that are never going to hit. But it's the fact that I can do it. I had, I had a parlay for this past weekend. It was $5 to win a million. And here's what I'll say. Through like 3.30 p.m., it looked good. <laughs> That's the problem. Hours of like- Not even just possible? It looked good? Well, That's so it problem. was... 
the the longest odds that I had was I think Zay Jones at plus three forty. He caught like a ridiculous toe tap, and when that happened, I was like, "Holy shit! Wait a second! Things, things are in motion now." I, was I like, had Zay Jones plus five receptions over fifty yards and a touchdown. He completed all of those. Thank you. Beautiful. Along with sports betting, just a quick shout out to Charlie Holmgren, the Washington Capitals goalie. You know, Kemper goes down, Darcy Kemper. He's got a great story. Pretty much undrafted, overlooked. He's the backup to Grubauer, which also Washington Capitals goalie. And they win the Stanley Cup, and all of a sudden he's being shopped around because he's 32, and apparently he's used parts. Well, guess what? We used all those parts for the last week to go 4 0 and 0 homegrown with 1.5 goals allowed 9.45 save percentage i mean charlie homegrown thank you tippy cat is is now i'm not so familiar with like capitals lore but like in philadelphia we love the backup quarterback is that like the backup goalie for washington he he put on man i mean he he showed out in my experience as a neighbor of the capitals it feels like that. I don't think there's ever been like a really good, popular, long-term goalie. So it's always interesting to see because I feel like every time I hear a story about a Capitals goalie, it's someone I haven't heard of before because something happened to the last one, just over and over and over. Well, again. you know, Hopi had our hearts, and Hopi also did have your hearts for a while. Actually, I will had I will our retract. hearts and didn't have our Very hearts. Hopi. We hated to love him, and we loved to hate him, and. You know, hey, he got a Stanley Cup. That's all that matters. That's one more than the Vancouver Canucks have. Just yeah, like, it's one more than the Vancouver Canucks will ever win. I'll go ahead and tell you that. They even been to the Stanley Cup. I mean, they have been to the Stanley Cup three times. They've just lost all three times. Yeah. That Charlie Holmgren, we'll see how long your love lasts for him. Right now, he's your guy, but he's not your only guy today. You have brought before us the guy, Bunel, someone for consideration for induction into our illustrious hall. And I, for one, am uh, thrilled to hear what apparently will already have me gripped by high school. I bring before you the guy, Bunel, John Wall. John Wall. John Wall. John Wall. I mean, somewhat of a, a fallen star. How many people know who John Wall is, despite him being the number one freaking pick? This would be unprecedented before we have not considered active players that being said i will interject in the favor of john wall simply because i think at this point he's had enough injuries that could have ended his career that i'm i'm willing to listen on for a bit i mean he's definitely a fallen star and i picked him because many don't know that he's still active he is still active he's still productive to whatever standards 20 minutes a game allows you and, I mean, he's got a great fucking story. But Phil Taylor was active in the seniors tour for darts this year. I say we have precedent on this. Oh. I will allow it. I'm willing to hear this proposal. It is not an automatic call of acclamation. There must be a presentation. But exactly. eligibility is established. And now I, I would love to hear the guy credentials of... The first NBA player, I think, really, to have um, a major song associated, right? Like, John Wall walked so that Mo Bamba could run. 
Wow. Um, also, to that, which is a part of my presentation, John Wall, Troop 41. So, sorry, could you describe that dance for the listeners at home? Could you just walk us through that step by step? Show your bony white structure and flex, <laughs> and then flip that fish back invert. and forth. And then you do it again. Yeah, exactly. It's not so much a wrist motion, more than a flexing, and you know, anywho. sort of old timey strongman flexing, though. <laughs> hey, he always had something to prove. First off, dad went to jail when he was nine. Second degree murder. And then he gets out of jail and then <laughs> commits armed robbery and goes back to jail. You're like, oh my God, John Wall Sr., what the fuck? And then he dies after he gets let out from armed robbery charges because he has liver cancer. That kind of stinks if you're a John Wall. So he perseveres. He goes through high school. He went through five years of high school. Number one NBA draft pick. Went through five years of high school. Does he fail a year? Is he not able to Oh, no. no he just, like, nobody believes in him. Like, his coaches don't believe in him. They're like, eh, yeah, whatever, John Wall. And then word of God in North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, gives him a shot. We'll take you on fifth year prep school. This is back in the prep school days. Now that's not really a thing. Like, that's not possible anymore. And... Here births the greatest hoop mixtape of all time. John Wall, Word of God, senior year. I mean, this hoop mixtape, if anyone's familiar, it's a YouTube thing. High school players showcasing their talents. This man was blocking people off the backboard. I mean, catching balls off the backboard. Like, unreal. 360 layups, insane no-look passes, he put on a show in his fifth year. I just want to interject. John Wall, great mixtape. There are two that I think are on the level and possibly better. The name that most people will recognize is Austin Rivers High School mixtape is actually fantastic. <laughs> it's good. And, it's good. Fucking horse shit. No, Austin Rivers looks no, like no, the his great mixtape though. His, his mixtape okay. was awesome. Okay, I will. I will need to investigate this. Uh, it sounds laughable. No, Austin Rivers high school highlights are fucking impressive. Okay. No, he looks great. Ball. Well, the the only other one I'll put up against it, and this is one that James, I'm pretty sure you know the name, the the player known as the Crime Stopper, in the Baltimore high school scene, Akil Carr. Akil oh. Carr. Oh my God. Oh. Akil Carr was a 5'4 point guard that just absolutely dominated the Baltimore public high school scene. And the reason he was called the Crime Stopper is because there was literal factual information that showed that when his high school was playing, crime was at a lower rate in Baltimore. Yep. Everyone was, was there to crime. see him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I would, I'm also just going to real quick say, I think Zion Williamson's like, we, we don't have to not think about his oh, because he became no, no, a star. So I'm sorry, Zion Williamson's mixtape is insane. No, no, but he didn't even get a hoop mixtape. That's the whole point. Is like hoop mixtape was ten years ago. Okay, now. okay, okay. So we're saying you're not just counting anyone's like reels necessarily. All right, I hear you. On Wall's hoop mixtape, if you watch it again, it'll salivate your mouth. Any NBA fan, you'll be like, "What in the absolute hell 
How is he doing that? He is a six foot two at this point. At this point, he grows to be six foot four, but he's a six foot two point guard. He is literally taking layups off the backboard from the opposing team. Literally. Just, oh, mine. Thank you. Unreal hops. He's left handed. Keep in mind. A reverse Mike Vick thing going on almost. 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 I mean, this guy is, he is wowing people in his fifth year. He gets nods from Duke, UCLA, Kentucky, which he ultimately ended up going to. He played with the Marcus Cousins and Eric Bledsoe, which is not to be scoffed at. Eric Bledsoe now, maybe not so productive. John Wall now, maybe not so productive. DeMarcus Cousins, also not so productive. But during those college years, I mean, they were all virtually lottery picks. I remember during all of the DeMarcus Cousins Ronan era once he left the Kings like it was always how do we get him to Washington to link up with his old college buddy John Wall maybe that wasn't nationwide but I remember very vividly any time that he was like on the move how do we get DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall back to you so I mean look John Wall goes from hoop mixtape I'm gonna say God there's no better hoop mixtape than his to going to Kentucky he's playing with DeMarcus Cousins Eric Bledsoe He's followed by the likes of Brandon Knight, Enos Cantor, Doran Lamb. Doran Lamb, eh, we're not going to talk about too much. Enos Cantor, you're an idiot. Brandon Enos Cantor Freedom. We'll acknowledge that. He legally changed his name to that. We're respectful. <laughs> I actually forgot about that. They lose in the Sweet 16 to West Virginia. A sixth seed. Mama. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. Especially as you're a number one seed Kentucky. You lost three games. Went 32 and 3. They demolished their competition. It wasn't even close. They lost to one ranked team, was Tennessee 19 ranked at the time. And then two unranked teams, which is like, all right, you probably shouldn't have done that. And then he goes from Kentucky. He's like, eh, I got three more years. Ah, screw this. Number one pick. He's the number one pick. Got another school with his extra year of high school. <laughs> yeah, and he was. Him, Derrick Rose, and Kyrie were the only point guards picked in the last 15 years, first time. Pretty impressive. Well, hey, this is a point guard. Who? Oh, no. The Australian. <laughs> no. I would like to. No, we're going to actually, we're going to pause for no, one moment. No, first. no. We're going to take a break here for one sec. No. Don't do it to me. <laughs> it's got to be done. I didn't no. bring it up. This but if someone else fair. is going to bring it up. This is slander. This is truly <laughs> slander. I had a very hot Simmons take that I should have retracted a long time ago. I'll give you credit. You have retracted it at this point. I did, but, I did uh, retract it. You came it. in as high as anyone on Simmons this year. And I just said, hey, I'm just going to let you know. I don't think that's going to happen. I've seen that fandom go through. And you're like, no, no, no. And then you gave all of the points that I heard Diaz make like four years ago. And I was just like, okay, you need to process through this on your own time. I understand now. It's one of those things that you can't be told. You, 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 you did give me time for reflection. That is fair. <laughs> My like Simmons genesis, where the story starts, I guess, is I remember after his summer league, I was getting my hair cut at a barbershop in West Philly. And I said, the Simmons, like his ceiling is modern day Magic Johnson. And like I borderline got kicked out of the barbershop. Like they stopped the music. 
They're like, who let this white boy in here? What he's talking this <laughs> bullshit. He thinks Simmons can be the next magic. I mean, and I'm not welcome there anymore. And I, I love getting my hair cut there. So like, Simmons oh, whoa, is whoa, they won't let you back. They will not let me back. I had to find a new barber. Finish the cut. He was professional. I'm not allowed back. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be James the Punch. <laughs> Horrible take. I, I, I was very high on Simmons because I do believe that he has genuine basketball talent. Sure. And he has showed it. I'm not going to put him in the likes of Magic Johnson or anybody in that caliber. But he definitely showed us that he has some skill. And I appreciate that. And I wanted to believe in this new beginning with New York or the Brooklyn Nets. Sorry. Thank, thank you. Thank you. They, they are not a New York team. They're barely a Brooklyn team. They are a team for hipsters who kind of care about something fancy and new, but then once it was more than a year and a half, no one cared anymore. I know I worked literally two blocks from there. No one gave a shit that the Nets exist. They are a team that exists to provide corporations with really nice courtside seats when they've already run out of space at Knicks game. Barclays it don't even is very nice. It's very nice. Yeah, it's, it filmed, just exists. I filmed an event there. But the Nets are irrelevant there. It's just the Barclays Center is nice for other things. And to stay true to this podcast, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I'll never forget. Never forget. <laughs> Anywho, look, this guy goes to college one year. He's the number one fucking pick. He walks into what, of all things? The lockout. Walks in the John, NBA lockout. Season lockout? His first season's lockout season. Huh. Starts all 62 games. Plays well. Averages like 17 points a game. Almost two steals a game. Comes in. He gets to deal with Reebok. I mean, damn. I, I would have thought John Wall would have had the likes of Nike or Adidas. But Nike and Adidas weren't really sponsoring athletes at this time. This is 2011, 2012. Tail end of the financial crisis. Yeah, you know. We can tie that in. <laughs> and, you know, he plays that whole first lockout year. He plays well. Wizards stink. They don't make the playoffs. Then he gets injured. First knee injury, 2012-2013. This starts a little bit of a cycle, if you will. So he gets injured. He's out the whole fucking year. Boom. No one's thinking about John Wall. No one knows who John Wall is, unless you remember that he's number one pick. He wins a slam dunk contest the year when he comes back john wall Ooh. won a slam dunk contest i have no wall memory won of the 2014 slam dunk contest god damn after after knee surgery granted they were very vague about his knee surgery what it was he didn't tear his achilles or anything or mcl but knee surgery then he wins the slam dunk contest and Add to that slam dunk contest win. The Wizards win their first playoff series in almost a decade. 2012. Who did they play that year? Uh, they played the Atlanta Hawks. And they lost to the Pacers in the second round. The year he also was all D second team. Which I think is a fucking snub. Because John Wall averages almost two steals a game his career. That man is all NBA first defense almost every year that he's in the NBA. 2015, they missed the playoffs. They sucked so bad. And how's your Brian Beal was out like the whole year, right? All gets hurt. Beal gets hurt. 
There's nothing else on the roster. There's literally no hope. There is no hope whatsoever. And then he comes back. He gets two knee surgeries. Pretty hush-hush. I try to look up all the details about it. There isn't many, which is like kind of crazy. And then he goes All-NBA third team. He averages 24 points a game, nine assists a game, and almost two steals a game. I mean, this guy, he is incredible. They beat the Hawks in the first round and lose to Boston in seven. That was the uh, that was the Paul Pierce Wizards season. That was the Paul Pierce Wizards season. That was a fun Wizards team, man. Like, I believed that they could make it out of the East if they beat Boston in that series. Right. That was maybe stupid of me, but I did believe that. No, I mean, I mean, they they do if they beat Boston. I mean, they took Boston to seven. They, they gave them all they had. And we'll start falling off the bus with John Wall. Injury after injury after injury. After they go through the first round, beat the Hawks, lose to the Celtics, he gets four years, $170 million. I mean, what do you even do with $170 million? What do you do? A lot of charity. By your own sports team. Based history of this show, most of the time, the guys we talk about with like hundreds of millions of dollars buy lots of cocaine. Cocaine on those ghosts. That's more like 70s NBA. I mean, yes. Yes, I'm sure. He had his, he had his fun. But like $170 million. Can you imagine signing a dotted line for hundreds of millions of dollars? Like, that's so hard to fathom as like a normal person. And especially if you sign a baseball contract, that's all guaranteed. Aaron Judge is laughing to the bank right now. Well, as Xavier will remind you, he has not signed on the dotted line technically yet. Unlike all the other major signings where they've had announcements and you've seen them in their jerseys at the stadiums like Xander Bogarts, I'm sure he was thrilled after somehow getting a deal that pays him into his age 41 season. Aaron Judge has been away on vacation and has not officially signed anything. So if someone wanted to offer him $500 million, he could legally still change his mind. He could. He could. Which is why I have yet to celebrate this happening. He could get DeAndre Jordan trapped in the building from the Mavericks. We're still in John Wall. So far, he has the makings of lackluster number one pick. Or no, not lackluster, but average number one pick career. Then, after his four years, $170 million, they lose in the first round of Toronto. Huge bummer. Kyle Lowry put the dagger on him. Kyle Lowry averaged like 30 points in that whole series. It was nuts. Then, next year, he's out with a heel injury. Done again. And it's like, oh my god. Like, if you're John Wall, you're picking yourself, you hate life because, again, you're out, you just got paid, like, that kind of sucks. Next year, during his heel injury, he falls in his freaking house and tears his ACL. I mean, you can't make this shit up. Just at his home. He is at his home, rehabbing his heel, and he falls and he tears his ACL. How much worse could it get for you? You're already down bad. You're missing more games. You just got an extension. You made the playoffs. You're being productive. You get hurt, and then you get hurt even more at home. At least, you know, he didn't have night terrors about spiders and then fall through a glass table like some baseball player who will not be named for his own protection here. He didn't cut himself on a drone's propellers like Trevor Bauer. Oof. (laughs) 
And then after Fuck that, <laughs> the COVID season. I mean, this is 2019. He hurts his heel. Then he ruptures his Achilles at home. And then it's COVID. And then 10 months after, his mom dies. All hope is lost at that point. All hope has got to be lost. Then he gets fucking traded to the Rockets. And what happens? He gets hurt again. Ethan is really where all hope goes to die. It's a burial ground. It's a Rick burial ground. I mean, it he, honestly is. Ethan I, I is the armpit of Texas, which is already the armpit of America. So it's an armpit's armpit. I can't agree with what you're saying, 100%. I mean, nothing has come to anyone that's gone to Houston. Since Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean, and hey, that was what? 94, 95? Those are the two championship years, yeah. He plays in, Hakeem makes it into the 2000s, right? I'm pretty sure he cost New York the chance at a double. He makes it to 2002. I forgot. This is actually one of my favorite pieces of trivia. Do you know who Hakeem Olajuwon uh, retired with? Who? Yep, not with the Rockets. Who did he play for? Oh, yes. it was yes, the uh, the Raptors. It is the Toronto Raptors. You are correct. Oh man, oh, there's a picture right. of uh, Hakeem with the Raptors going against Patrick Ewing for the Magic, and it's just like the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life. Oof. Was was Wizards MJ around too? Wizards, Wizards MJ, MJ uh, was new too. Philadelphia 76ers Matumbo. Oh, that's just well, Matumbo was still like very much in his prime at that. He was point. he was still yeah. It's fair. That's fair. He won Defensive Player of the Year during that finals run. The Sixers had the MVP, the Sixth Man of the Year, the Coach of the Year, and the Defensive Player of the Year. And it took all of those to get gentlemen swept by the Kobe Shaq Lakers. Best weird jersey that I can think of off the top of my head. Remember when Shaq was on the Celtics? <laughs> what number did he wear? He wore a weird number. Shaquille Rashawn O'Neal in his one season with the Boston Celtics wore the number 36 for the record. 36. I thought it was 76. But... The Irish legend, Shaquille Rashawn O'Neal. I, so my original guy was Dwight Howard. And Shaquille O'Neal came at Dwight Howard more recently about him playing in Taiwan. <laughs> being like, you're playing against nothing. And Dwight Howard came quickly to his teammates' defense. Dwight Howard, you are 7'2". You're playing against the average height of 5'9". You are demolishing these people. Shaq had every merit to give you a hard time. Here's the thing, though. There's two ways to age out as an elite basketball player, right? You can accept a diminished role on an NBA team. Or you can go dominate some people in a lesser league. And I mean, personally, like after years of like banging against like the biggest bodies in the sport, getting abused, I personally, like Dwight looks like he's having the most fun he's had in his life. Like he's getting to take guys off the dribble from the perimeter. He's taking step back threes. I mean, I'm happy for Dwight personally. I, lo- I, lo- I love it. I love that it came to the defense of his teammates because he could very easily just shit on him and be like, yeah, I'm a giant amongst men, but hey. Go for Dwight. Go for Dwight. Speaking of disappointing number one overall picks, let's pivot back from Dwight Howard to John Wall. John Wall. So where we where we left off was COVID nineteen. His mom dies. That I mean, I can't fathom that. That really fucking sucks. He already lost his dad when he was nine. He loses his mom. Not really in the prime of his career, but in like a pivotal moment of his career where he needs to go somewhere he needs to mean something to somebody he's thinking about killing himself that sucks i can't imagine what that's like and then you know he goes back joins the rockets rockets are like can't have you play i get it i I probably wouldn't have him play either because we just gave him a ridiculous amount of money for him not to show up 
And now he's with the Clippers, and he's regained not so much glory, but regained the role of like, hey, I can still show up. I can still be productive. He's doing like 25 minutes a game, about 12 points a game, five assists a game, still averaging about a steal a game, which is pretty awesome for 25 minutes, if you ask me. And, you know, shout out to John Wall. John Wall's persevered. He's definitely been through some shit. And, I mean, I just, I can't, all I can do is remember, like, that hoop mixtape. I mean, he was so dominant. He shook stadiums. He was incredible. You know, he deserved to be the number one pick. He deserved all the money that he got. Just one of those guys. He's kind of like in the category of Sam Bradford, but more productive than a Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford feels like a very good comparison, actually. Sam Bradford got was the last person to get the bag as the number one overall pick before they put the rookie scale in, right? So he got yep. nine figures as a number one overall pick who had yeah, been like injured year, his senior season and missed the whole season. Don't forget the fact that they literally took him number one knowing his legs were busted and gave him $100 million. They were cool with it. I don't know why. Like I've said this whole time, I've pitched my case for him. My guy, John Wall fits this bill. I mean, he he has persevered. He has fought hard. He's been successful. Not, like, hugely successful. Not He is not a household name. If you were to ask 10 people who John Wall is, I bet you all 10 people would be like, who? I think you'd the- get still half nowadays. But I also might be influenced by living in the DMV. Right, influence on living in the DMV, but like, not really. Like, he could have been a household name, but I mean, look at this all time. And James, you and I talked about this over COVID about true point guards. John Wall is a true point guard. He's averaging for his career 19 points a game, nine assists a game for his career. That's incredible. Super solid. That is big time point guard numbers. Almost two steals a game and almost a block a game. That's just his regular season stats. Was nearly three stocks, Diaz? Nearly three. Love me some stocks. Stocks go burr. This guy fought hard, worked hard. I mean, come on. 20 points a game and nine assists a game for his career? He could retire right now and easily be in the top 50 point guards. What I like about that in particular is you assume with the distribution of two point, three point shots nowadays, like nine assists, probably even if a third of those are three pointers, he's assisting on more points made than he's scoring on a game by game basis. He's a very, very productive member of a team. And that's just his regular season stats. Granted, I mean, he didn't get a lot of playoff experience. They won two first-round series in his career, which is good for the fucking Wizards, honestly. Just saying. But, I mean, his playoffs, he's got 37 games in. He's got 22 points, 11 assists a game, two steals a game, and a block. And a block. Those are some good point guard numbers. Especially if you're playing in the playoffs. I did some more thoughts on John Wall, but before I get into that, DSX, I'd love to hear if you have anything else you want to kind of add in on this. Well, I mean, I'm I've I've always been a big John Wall guy. I think the I mean the talent on the court obviously speaks for itself. 
We have the the pop culture crossover, which I think is definitely a desired characteristic in a guy with the song. And also talking to the the quality of the individual away from their field of play. You know, it's not just that John Wall was so vulnerable in his Players' Tribune article, talking about his struggles as he was trying to come back from injury. We love to see that. And the other thing that I think speaks to the quality of him as an individual, it's on YouTube somewhere, but basically there was a little girl, and I can't remember her name right now, but she was essentially in and out of the Washington equivalent of CHOP, you know, whatever, the Children's Hospital of Washington, D.C. And he dedicated uh, one game to her after she passed. And he was asked about it in the post-game interview. And, I mean, like, he, he couldn't get through the interview. Basically, the sideline reporter had to say, hey, John, that's okay. Thanks for your time. And excuse him because, you know, this little girl that John formed such a relationship with, I think that speaks to the power of sports, right? And a guy that knows what his power is in that capacity. Like to a little kid, we all remember what it's like growing up. The athletes are are basically our superheroes. And for for John Wall to recognize the power that he had in that moment to to that little girl's final days better and to to be a, a, a person of strength for the family uh in their time of need. I think that just speaks to the quality of individual that he is as well. And I mean, for for me, like that's one of the most important characteristics we can look for in a guy, right? So I love John Wall. The podcast, we were talking about win shares. So I was just curious because I was thinking about other number one point guards who had careers early impacted by injuries. And so I was thinking about Derek Rose. You want to guess what the win shares are for Derek Rose and John Wall? 69. Would be funny. But it's incorrect. Diaz, do you have a guess? I'm going to guess Rose is probably around like 35 or 40, honestly. I think he's probably low. For Wall, give me, give me around like 80 or 90 for Wall. Derek Rose definitely has more. So the answer is Derek Rose... 44.5 win shares. I was close. I'll take it. John Wall has 44.8. Ooh, wow. Extremely, extremely close. My, well, my, got some time to stack my, first, my first thoughts about number one picks with severe knee injuries turns out they're even closer than I thought. Well done. I am but a big fan of John Wall. It's like, obviously, you know, we're sports centric, so. We know who John Wall is, and we're not going to forget who John Wall is. But, you know, hearing more about his career and thinking about just how good he was in the early 2010s, in 10 years, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if other people thought of John Wall as a guy. Do, do you remember John Wall? And people are like, oh, yeah, I do. And it's like, yeah, I guess based on his whole career, he is in that boat. We're just, you know, hyper-localized to his success growing up during his prime and as sports-centric as we are, but I'm coming around to it. I, I, I do like the idea of John Wall as a guy. You know, John Wall has his stocks, and we're trying to now buy very early on John Wall guy stocks. Get in on the ground floor. I mean, hey, he's not done, but his productive years are definitely past him. And 
That's why I, I picked him. Because... Forty million a year to do nothing, though, which is pretty fun. Sounds pretty great. Well, well, now now six million. I mean, Houston bought him out. What idiots are they? But needless to say, I mean, hey, you know, he, he's fought hard. He he's a good dude. I'll I'll I've you know alluded to the local impact of uh, John Wall, but I've got like two final things that kind of like stand out in my mind about him, and one is. Right before that draft, I remember driving home from actually an Orioles Nationals game with my dad. We were coming back from D.C., and so we were listening to sports radio on the way back. And it was talking about just after the Wizards got the number one overall pick. It was clearly we're taking John Wall. Uh, Could have gone number one the year before had they changed draft requirements also. Yeah. No, absolutely. I remember how absolutely certain those radio hosts were. And this is, again, before I admit I was into basketball that much. Like, later that high school period is when I kind of discovered Tim Duncan and the Spurs and come into it. So, like, that's one of my earlier memories of basketball was talking about that because I was like, all right, hey, if the local area is going to get energized about it, then that's cool. And that's kind of the second thing that I, I want to allude to him because Baltimore had a team and they only moved. 50 miles away. They're not far, but there's no connection really for the Wizards to Baltimore. I mean, pop it up. We're talking with you. You are a Capitals fan living here in Baltimore. You've never been in DC. And that is a pretty consistent thing for people in Baltimore who like hockey. People in Baltimore who like basketball, it is still an absolute crapshoot as to whether or not they give a shit about the Wizards. We should bring have back the bullets. The bullets. Bring back the bullets. Bring Honestly, back the that bullets. was kind of. The turn, that was when they were no longer feeling as connected to him. But despite that, John Wall commanded a presence here. And I think that's best illustrated by what happened actually just recently when we record this, when he came to D.C. as a member of the Clippers and played. As he went off in that game, he was talking about yelling to the people in the lovely sideline seats, this is my city. He's not played there in years now. He still absolutely owned the Verizon Center during his recent visit. Absolutely. And then signed autographs for like an hour afterwards because everyone came to that game to see John Wall. I do believe it's still their highest attended game of the season for the Wizards. They're a pretty woeful team otherwise. So here's what I'll propose to the guy Punal. We're, we're in uncharted waters here as we discuss him. We, I think, have mentioned before that the NBA Hall of Fame or the Basketball Hall of Fame, apologies, is a little bit more lax in their requirements than, say, Cooperstown, which doesn't want to let anyone in sometimes. Basketball is pretty willing to let people in. And if they decide... Let Barry Bonds in. Anyway. We what? should let Barry Bonds into the hall. You are with two-thirds of this podcast on that. So now it's three... Roger Clemens, you, too. You are further outvoted. Yes, honestly, Roger Clemens also. Hate them both. You should be in the hall. Um, all of that to say, John Wall, I, I want to present you with a choice available to you at the moment of your retirement. If you want to be Hall of Fame eligible, I respect that. I think you deserve to be considered. And uh, if you were brought into the Hall of Fame, I think you'd be completely deserving of that compared to many other people that have been inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. But John Wall, I know you're listening right now. I want to speak directly to you. If either you don't get into the Hall of Fame or you just decide that you would enjoy being here more, I want you to know that there is a spot for you that we will hold that you can take at any time once you retire, as long as you don't also try to go to the Hall of Fame. In all realness, John Wall probably doesn't make the Hall of Fame, but is he deserving? Yes. 
He's certainly deserving of the Hall of Guy. Guy Bunel, are we okay with this this conditional release? In honor of Wes Unseld and the great history of Baltimore basketball, I say yes. I'm aboard with it. Fully aboard. If we're all fully aboard, then Diaz, again, would you conditionally do the honors? Should circumstances align, such as described by this guy, Bunel, that will permit for the admission of such candidate into the Hall of Guy, at that time, it will be our duty and honor to welcome in the pop music sensation, the great humanitarian, the incredibly dazzling hoop mixtape star, and most importantly, the guy, John Wall, into the Hall of Guy. Absolutely beautiful. God, when did we get a second lawyer on this show? That was uh, incredibly eloquent. That was off the dome, too. I, I watched some Better Call Saul earlier, so I'm feeling <laughs> up to <getting> my Xavier, <laughs> <laughs> you got you to gotta watch him, man. He's on your tail. It's all right. Slippin' Jimmy has his own stuff to deal with. So Xavier can be the real lawyer, and I'll just play one on this podcast. Fair. Well, Papadop, it has been a pleasure to have you aboard. This was a really great discussion. You know, we don't get into as recently retired players sometimes. So I, I really enjoyed kind of reliving someone realizing, oh, this is what it's like to root for a guy as they are becoming a guy. And I appreciate you bringing that to the show this week. Yeah, I mean, hey, got the Clippers, NBA championship, plus 860. Go John Wall. May be inducted into this hall as a champion someday. But regardless of his championship status, guy status has been confirmed. Love it. And we're back in present day. And uh, to paraphrase the great English poet Roger Waters, all in all, we're just another brick in John Wall. It was wonderful. <laughs> The story of John Wall told by our good friend Papa Doc there, and uh, glad to finally share that with you all. And I'm going to wait for Xavier to come back up for air before I thank you all for joining us once again. Be sure to join us next week and the week after and the week after that forever and ever. But in particular, we got some big guests coming up that we are very, very thrilled to bring on. And we are very, very thrilled to welcome you back again. Big thanks, as always, to Don Ham, our musical director, that beautiful theme music. and the people behind producer craig bot uh anything else from you guys on the way out here nothing for me just incredible victory by the eagles i just can't get over it well with that i've been james i've been the very special guest xavier and i'm diaz and as yoda once said do or do not there is no guy (laughs) 